0: Hello and welcome to the Functionally Enlightened podcast with Dr. Sharon Sarita. We interview well-respected medical and functional practitioners, as well as patients who have overcome disabling chronic conditions, such as dysautonomia and reclaimed their health. These
1: enlightened guests provide helpful tips on managing chronic pain and illnesses using a combination
0: of traditional and whole body healing modalities. If you're interested in natural healing and quality of life improvement, you're in the right place. Thank you for listening to today's episode.
1: Hello everyone, welcome to a truly inspiring episode of our podcast where we're joined by Matt Kelly, who is a dedicated detoxification specialist and functional health practitioner. Matt's journey into the realm of functional health and detoxification was not just a career choice. It was a response to an immensely challenging situation within his own family. At the heart of his story is the severe health condition of his son. This condition had reached a level of gravity that placed tremendous stress on his family. Witnessing a loved one endure such a hardship was a turning point for Matt, propelling him into a relentless quest for knowledge and solutions. Realizing that conventional medicine had its limitations, Matt took full responsibility for his family's well-being. Matt eventually connected a moldy window in his son's room to his symptoms, and he started studying mold around the clock. Matt spends his time raising awareness now and helping others fast-track testing and recovery from mold so that they don't have to go through what he and his family went through. Over the years, Matt immersed himself in the study of functional health, learning from experts worldwide. He assembled a toolkit of knowledge, techniques, and practices to uncover root causes and guide others on their regenerative detoxification journeys. Matt's story is not only a testament to the power of a parent's love, but also a shining example of determination and resilience in the face of adversity. His experience serves as a beacon of hope for anyone navigating similar challenges and demonstrates how profound commitment to health, and well-being can lead to transformative change. So Matt, we're so excited to have you on the show today. We are looking to share the information about mold illness and what people can do to avoid falling into this chronic illness trap. Again, very
0: grateful to have you on the show today. Well, thank you so much for having me. Unfortunately, it has to be to talk about something like mold and how dangerous it can be to our bodies, but it's something that's a major issue. And a lot of people don't know about it. That's why I ended up going down this rabbit hole because everywhere we went, nobody knew what was happening with our son. And like you said, at the start there, we were woken up in the middle of the night. We have five kids. Isaac is our only boy. He was 10 at the time and he went to bed just like all, like his sisters did. Like everything was fine. Nothing was out of the ordinary for us. And, you know, sometimes when there's health problems, you have warning signs. Normally, you have warning signs. But for us, Sharon, there were no warning signs. And this, looking back through all my clients now, there's usually warning signs. But for us, we kind of went from zero to 100 with him. And it just threw our complete family and Isaac's health and everything into a complete tornado because we had no no idea what was going on so like I said he he woke up in the middle of the night came into our room crying and holding his side and bent over and was in extreme pain and I thought it was like his appendix like is his appendix about to burst like what are we doing he felt nauseous he was in pain Amy my wife and I have talked like, what do we do do we take him in do we wait we waited it didn't go away Finally, I made the hour-long drive, took him right to the children's hospital instead of the local hospital because I thought if he needed surgery, we wanna be in the best place we can be. And we waited in the ER and they got him in quick because they could see he was under great distress. And they had done a urine test and an X-ray and palpated there and they could not find anything wrong. And they assured me that there was nothing wrong. So uh, hoping for the best, we thought, okay, let's go home, bud. And let's hope this goes away. But the next day came and he was still the same. The next day came and he was just as bad or worse. And back we go to the ER. And again, we have a couple tests and we're told everything's okay. Nothing's wrong. And Sharon, within like two weeks, I took him four times to the ER because we just didn't know what to do. It was just gotten so out of hand. And looking back, what I learned is happening is that he actually was having mast cell flare in his small intestine, but I had no idea at the time. So he was getting dizzy, he was nauseous, he was fatigued, he had this severe abdominal pain, and this was going around the clock, he couldn't sleep at night from it. I was going to, to bed with him, trying to you know comfort him and, and be there with him, and everything was just upside down and backwards, like what's going on with our son? And we started, you know, making appointments. Our doctors didn't know what was wrong. Pediatrician thought maybe he was just nervous to go to school. And honestly, Sharon, like when you get things like, when you have something so big, so wrong, and then you get asked, things like is he just nervous about school right it's uh it's very frustrating to say the least
1: right it's as if they're not just gaslighting but they always go to that phenomenon that it's a psychological issue rather than a physiological issue so you mentioned that you did go to the hospital several times and you were in and out of the house did you notice a difference in symptoms when you were out of the home versus in
0: no no it just wasn't long enough and some people with mold do notice and but sometimes it has to be longer sometimes people have to be a day or two sometimes people have to be a week or two and some people don't notice just because of so much damage has been done but we didn't notice with him at first but what happened was we kept trying to figure out what was going on we were you know using our you know medical system here but again nobody had any clue we had made it to the pediatric gastroenterologist and I was allowed to talk for about 11 seconds before he cut me off and told me he knew what was wrong and he had just tore a muscle. And wow. and it made no sense to me. <laughs> but I, it was literally about 11 seconds. He's like, I, I know, I know, I know, I know what's wrong. I've, I've seen this a few times. So sure enough, he had done his procedure which was poor little Isaacs laying on the table and then he does like a circle of needles all around his pain point because his mast cell pain was just like an ice pick in his abdomen you know about an inch to the side of his belly buttoning up a little because that's right where his small intestine was flaring but they were doing lidocaine and different injections to try to numb it it was awful what he went through to try to get him to say hey bud i just need you to lay still well, this doctor hovers over you with a needle that he's gonna put eight times in a circle around you or whatever, right? It was it was awful. But it just progressed so bad, Sharon, like that there were times when he couldn't even get to the bathroom. Like I had to go in and pick him up and he's in tears and pain and I had to carry him. I had to carry him up and down our stairs. Remember, he's ten years old at this point, and he couldn't walk because any jarring would just cause that that abdominal pain to get worse. Didn't want to eat, dizzy, nauseous, all these problems. It wasn't getting any better. We had had an endoscopy, a colonoscopy. Everything always looks fine. Mm-hmm. Blood work always comes back fine. There were no problems to be found, and we were running out of things to to try. Right? You know, you just get to that point where Western medicine is like, there's nothing wrong, and you know, the opposite is true. Nothing's going right. You know, it, it couldn't get worse. I started to wonder about Lyme. So I had ordered a muscle testing kit online and those vials came and sure enough, he showed clear as day for a few for Borrelli and a few co-infections. So I thought that was it because uh, as I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of crossover in the symptoms between Lyme disease and mold, but I didn't know anything about mold at this time still. So my first, uh, my first ability to understand what was going on was when I muscle test them for Lyme, took them to a clinic in Kansas and had an amazing energetic doc there and as he was testing him each day the one time the one day he looked at me and said cuz i was taking notes like a madman because you know this you know when you're a parent of a child in these positions you you know you you want to know everything right and he looked at me and he said mold's coming up as a priority in his gut today hmm. and i was like what the heck mold why would mold be in his gut but i typed it in my laptop and he continued on and kept working on him and here, Sharon, is where it happened, where after we were there for three weeks and he started getting better and better as the time went on. I didn't realize why I thought it was just from what we were doing. And what they were doing was great. Like the clinic was great at what they do, but we had been out of our house for three weeks. So he was feeling a lot better. And we came home and I'm outside talking to Amy, to my wife, to, to the girls. Isaac runs in the house and goes upstairs to his room to throw his backpack in. I hadn't even made it in the house yet. He comes back outside and goes, Dad, I got dizzy and my heart just sank. I was like, oh, here we go again. But the other side of me goes, hey, wait a minute. This tells me something. There's something wrong with our house. So I go up to his room, Sharon, and I see that one of his windows has mold inside of it. And I did see it before. It wasn't that I didn't see it. It's just that it didn't stand out to me because I didn't know that mold could become a problem. So I said, hey, there's mold in his window. There's mold in his gut from what our doctor told us connected the dots and that finally the the the, the clouds parted Sharon and, and I started going down this trail and, and started researching and reading and and I'd be up in the middle of the night because you can't sleep right when your child is in such uh, such a horrible horrible place and I just researched and researched and learned about mycotoxins and sent off his uh, ordered a mycotoxin lab and sent that off to kansas and saw that his mycophenolic acid which should be under five was 535 and his okra toxin a was high and i was finally starting to pick up that mold is what was driving this and that's what actually enables set him up for lyme disease and co-infections because the immunosuppression from mycophenolic acid is immense so here his immune system is just being crushed and then he, we went to a cottage got bit by a tick and that's why when i muscle tested him for that he was coming up for Borrelia, Babesia, Bartonella, Lichia, Rickettsia, Deer tick virus, which is Powassan virus lineage too. And, that, and the cookie just crumbled from there, mm-hmm. but it finally started to make sense. Mold is awful. Mold is driving this. Mold was wrecking his gut. Mold was wrecking his immune system. And I was finally onto something.
1: And he was the only one affected because it was in his room. Um, no, one in the, it, it, no one else in the family developed any symptoms of any kind?
0: Well, I didn't think so at first, Sharon. But then I came to realize why one of his younger sisters was having severe like, emotional and mood swings. And I came to understand as I researched PANS and PANDAS, she was actually having pan symptoms from it because I found another mold problem, Sharon, on that, it, within the wall on the outside of the house, on the corner of the house where their bedroom is. Mm. So I had three girls sleeping in a room where there was a mold problem in a wall too. And for the, for our one daughter, it was pan symptoms, like meltdowns, like you wouldn't believe. Like Amy, my wife and I would just look at each other and go, what is happening? She just had the, the rage and the anger she didn't go to OCD. She, she had some ticks, like she'd have throat clearing and things. But when we got the mold dealt with and I started supporting her little body because she was so young and it was so fresh to her, the mold, that we were able to clear that up quickly. So we didn't understand it at first, but then uh, it became crystal clear what we had been going through. And thankfully, it fixed quick. And then another one of our girls actually has EDS ehlers syndrome triggered by the mold that she had in the house as well. Now, I went back and, you know, I replaced all the windows. I was going to replace his window, Sharon. I thought, okay, I've got to fix that window. I was like, well, I don't want his other windows to have a problem. I was like, I don't want the girls' windows to have a problem. I don't want our windows. So I ended up replacing like, I don't know, 20-some windows. <laughs> it was ridiculous. <laughs> but uh, they were old, original wood windows. You know, the seals were going on them. And there wasn't even mold in his room. It was between the two panes of glass, but because mold and mycotoxins can come through any tiny area, it was working its way into his room, and that's what was crushing him.
1: You mentioned a wide variety of symptoms. So we know there's a lot of co-occurring illnesses that come together, and sometimes you can find the root cause. Like in your in your case, you knew what the source of the, I guess the triggering mechanism was, and it was the mold. And in other okay. cases, mm-hmm. um, a lot of our listeners, you know, they have dysautonomia conditions like POTS and. You mentioned That's one, absolutely. mast cell activation syndrome, or EDS. And so it's it's awesome to find ways to reduce those hidden stressors or to even find what those hidden stressors are. So as you're locating what could be the potential triggers, and in your case, specifically mold, how would you advise people to even approach looking for this as a effective
0: avenue? This is where it gets tricky because what I see now working with clients is that mold is behind so many symptoms and when i say mold i'm i'm talking about toxigenic molds toxigenic molds are molds that create mycotoxins so mycotoxins are the toxic secondary metabolite that comes from mold so it's literally a poison toxin coming from some of these bad molds these some of these bad water damage molds so the symptom list on people like with our son his gut was turned upside down and backwards. Sorry, this is a TMI, but you could tell what he ate by looking in the toilet, like mold and mycotoxins wreck the gut. Mm-hmm. And when, I, when parents come to me with kids, that's one of the top symptoms that you see. So kids symptoms are often like abdominal pain or gut issues, digestive issues, which leads to inflammation in the intestines, which leads to leaky gut, mm-hmm. which leads to food sensitivities, food allergies, skin issues like eczema so many people have come into my mold facebook group in the last two months with with pictures of their poor little kids with just massive eczema because some mycotoxins are directly dermatoxic but the secondary way they wreck the skin is by uh, wrecking the gut microbiome they kill off the good bacteria which allows the opportunistic and pathogenic bacteria to go up and when your gut gets so dysbiotic that can be reflected on the skin so you've got skin issues ADHD-like symptoms, even uh, some kids with autism is driven by mycotoxins. Not all of them, no, but some of them. And then you work with that, and then, it, then they can come back off the spectrum. You have respiratory issues, coughs, asthma. Little kids have asthma. They could have a mold problem in the wall in their room. Maybe a bathroom backs up to the closet of their room, and they just have this source right so close to their bedroom, right? And they're spending 8, 10 hours a night in there breathing that in. You know, if your kids, if kids are getting sick very often, you know, if you have kids that pick up every bug going around, or if you have kids that it takes, you know, two to three times longer for your kids to get over the bug than it does everyone else's kids, it's because their immune system is so depressed. So those are a lot of the signs that you see in kids that, that could mean that mold could be a problem because our houses are built with mold food, our our drywall is paper on each side and there's mold spores literally in the paper. So you get a water leak in the wall for whatever reason, even either the trimmer put, when he was a, nailing the baseboard on, hit a PEX line or whether a old copper pipe got a pinhole leak in it or whether you had like an overt leak, like a roof leak and it's working its way down the walls. And then you get this organic material, the paper, the lumber that already has mold spores present, you get it wet. And then you can have these awful toxicogenic molds growing. Most mold isn't seen by people. You know, 90% of people don't think they have a mold problem. And this is why it's hard. This is why it's not obvious to people. And this is why it takes digging to try to figure out what the root cause is because it's hidden. It's in the walls. It's under the floor. It's in the ceiling. It's in the attic. It's in the crawl space. It's in the basement. It's behind the shower. It's in the HVAC. It's under the cabinets. It's behind the cabinets. It's places that we don't look, and that's why it's never top on people's minds.
1: Right, and especially when you're home shopping or maybe apartment shopping, even if you had a mold inspector, they don't do a thorough enough job to really get down in there and see if there's any hidden sources. So that in mind, when we're, we're thinking about tips for people just in their own homes, mm-hmm. are there things that they can incorporate like air purifiers or dehumidifiers and things like that even without having an actual inspection performed.
0: Absolutely. That's the best thing to do is for the homeowners to look themselves because they know their house better than anyone. They know if the dishwasher leaked, you know, a couple of years ago, they know where there might've been, which bathroom sink had a leak. So they know where to pay special attention to, but doing uh, a good visual inspection, when you know what you're looking for, Sharon, can, give you so much information that your average person isn't going to see if they're going to look at an apartment for rent or looking at a house or something quickly. They're looking at the the paint colors. They're looking at the floors. They're looking at what they like about it, right? I look at everything from a mold inspector point of view. I'm looking at the ceilings. Are there any stains Is there uh, on the walls and ceilings? is, Is there any bubbling? Is there any rippling? Are the Drywall seams starting to pull apart. Is the tape starting to ripple? Uh, Do you smell a musty smell anywhere? Check the closets. Check the basement. You know, like when you smell that musty smell, that's a secondary metabolite, a microbial VOC coming from a healthy colony. So you know there's fungus growing there. Uh, You just don't know where. Maybe it might be in the wall or under the floor or under the under the vinyl or or anywhere. Right. So. Taking the time to look for those signs and use your nose and go by. Some people are sensitive to the mold; they can feel it. They can feel that this isn't a safe space. They might say, "I can't put my finger on it," but it. I just don't feel good here. Mm -hmm. You know, so listen to your body. Trust your eye. Use your eyes. Trust your nose, and do these inspections as well as you can. Because, like you said, if you're looking at a potential rental. You don't always have time or or the ability to get an inspector in or to even do an ERMI test, which is the best dust test for the home to try to find out what's going on. And if you're looking at a lot of places, it can get real expensive. So... You have to come at it from a from a viewpoint of what all can you do for that's free, cheap, and quick because sometimes you don't have the budget or the time to be able to do some of those more in depth testing.
1: Mm-hmm. And sadly, it's not just an issue of where you live; it's also your vocation. A lot of people work in older you know uh, older structures, older buildings. I live in a city that's pretty historical, so you can imagine um, the, mm. the air quality test probably wouldn't come out very very good. So, um, you did mention one of them, the Aramee. Can you elaborate a little bit more about what that is and if there's any other tests that you would recommend?
0: Oh, I'm so glad you said that, Sharon, because mold testing, mold and mycotox mold illness is awful. But getting, figuring it out, getting it diagnosed is nearly impossible for so many people because like I talked about at the start, medical doctors don't, uh, in general, don't know anything about mycotoxins. And when you run a mold lab, if you say to your doctor, can you run, check me for mold? They'll just run a mold allergy panel. They're not actually testing for the mycotoxins, the toxic metabolite that's actually making you mold toxic and making you sick. And the same thing applies on the mold inspector side. So even if if your doctor said, no, there's nothing wrong, he's a healthy young man and he doesn't have any mold allergies, he missed mycotoxins. When we go to the mold inspector side, you get someone in to do an air quality test where the normal, if you just call 100 mold inspectors, 99 of them, in my opinion, based on the feedback I get from clients, come in with an air quality test and they take a sample outside in their spore trap. So it's like an air pump that sucks air through a little clear cartridge and it collects what's in the air onto a little sticky spot, then that goes under a microscope, right? So they're sucking the air outside to get a control and then they come inside and go into the middle of your house and do another sample there and then compare your inside with the outside and if your inside isn't worse than the outside they tell you you don't have a mold problem now the problem with those air tests is that they miss about 95 percent of mold is what i see because i have clients sending me their air test and then they're sending me their ermy test and while one says um it's it's clear it's fine you're well within range and this shouldn't cause you any health issues then we get the ermy test which is a dust test and it shows all kinds of toxigenic molds and it shows their concentrations and i can go through the list and say this one makes mycotoxins this one makes mycotoxins this one's really high and makes mycotoxins now let's compare that with your symptoms and let's see if there's some correlation here so the air quality testing is great if you're doing a cavity test which means i'm drilling a hole in this wall and i put a wand in there and i'm sucking the air out of the wall that is the best test for you know testing in walls and ceilings uh underneath cabinetry you know so if your sink leaked you can test under the cabinets to see if there's a mold problem but for 99.9 percent of people they say hey i want to know if it's mold affecting me and my family they need to do the ERMI test. So it's E-R-M-I, ERMI Environmental Relative Moldiness Index. And it's it's literally a clean Swiffer, Sharon. Like it is simple. They send you gloves, they send you a Swiffer. And I actually have a video on my website, pharmacy.com, F-A-R-M-A-C-Y, under learning. It's called How to Do an ERMI and it shows you where, how you do it. You go around each room in your house. You collect dust from up high, like above door and windows. You collect down low on top of baseboard. You collect on top of pictures and mirrors, and you do this in every single room. So by the time you're done, you might have a 100 plus sample points of dust data, and then it goes to the lab. They take the dust off, and then they do use DNA analysis to find out which molds are present and at what concentrations. And that, while no test is perfect, that by far is the best test we have for determining if a home has a problem with toxigenic molds.
1: Okay, so that gives us a good picture of if there's a problem, but it doesn't really isolate where the problem would be. So what would be the next step for someone if they come back with, you know, relative high hits?
0: That's exactly right. And that's a common question. I'm glad you asked that because we can't combine the different steps. Okay. We can't, if we're making a sandwich, we don't combine making the bread with the meat. Okay. It's very, it's very separate. The first thing to determine is, is there a mold problem in my home? Yes or no. Do I have high toxigenic molds that could be making mycotoxins making me sick? Yes or no. That's the army. Step two is getting an inspection. So you now you can actually get a better inspection now because you have this data first. So now when you call mold inspectors and say, Hey, I ran an ermy I know I've got stachybotrys. I've got ketomium. I got aspergillus vericolor. I have high trichoderma or willemia. I've got a bunch of bad molds. I need someone to help come find where they are. So there are mold inspectors that their literal job is to find where it is now. You need to qualify mold inspectors to find out if this is what they do, because it's kind of the wild, wild west in the mold world right now, Sharon. It's kind of crazy out there. You've got a massive spectrum of mold inspectors. On the the light side, you've got the mold inspectors that do what I mentioned earlier. They come take one test outside, they take an air test inside, and 99% of the time it comes back fine. Then you have mold inspectors on the other end that are fully certified, experienced, And you'll have a team of a couple guys come into your house and spend eight hours testing, swabbing, air tests, ERMI, uh, testing everything from from the bottom of the crawl space to the top of your attic, looking for anywhere there was water damage and that allowed mold to grow. So you have to qualify your inspectors. And uh, I actually have a mold group on Facebook. It's called Toxic Mold Answers and toxicmoldanswers.com points to that. But I have a, uh, a lot of videos in there. There's over 160 uh, mold q videos in there. And one of them is questions to ask a mold inspector to qualify that mold inspector because you want someone that's not going to come do an air test. You need someone that's going to come help find those sources because if you can find those sources and get them remediated properly, that removes the stress from the home, that removes the mycotoxins being fed into the house, that takes the stress off your body, And now your body has a lot better chance of healing
1: right so important to do your research on it Um, i've i've gone down the rabbit hole and you know i did my own plate testing which just gave me a a general overview of air quality but what i've been told is that's not really representative of what is in your physical structure that, that could be breezeway from open windows and doors, is that correct?
0: Yeah, it is. They're, they're okay, but the, there's a lot of problems with it. And one of the biggest problems, Sharon, is that these Petri dishes, these plate testing, oftentimes don't have a medium that stachybotrys or ketomium like to grow on. So the two worst molds that we're looking at, you know, don't really grow on that medium so you could even have stacky falling on there but you won't know it so it's kind of similar to air testing can it pick something up yes but does it give you specific detailed information like an ermi on which molds are present and their concentrations no but a way they can be handy is if you buy one for every single room in your house and you have constant even airflow in each room and maybe if one plate comes out loaded, has like 20, 30, 40 mold colonies growing on it, while well, the other ones only have three, then that it kind of gives you an idea of where the problem could be. So there's pros and cons, but overall, I never recommend it as a first step. The ERMI is going to give you the most data. Mm-hmm.
1: Perfect. So that's good information for our listeners. Now, say somebody does do the ERMI and... It comes back positive, like you said, for stachybotrys. They now have a good indicator of what the problem is. Are there additional testing that they would do for themselves to kind of correlate the symptoms they're feeling? Yep,
0: yep. Great question again. And yes, absolutely. And the good news, Sharon, is that this is an easy test. People like easy tests. No one likes going to the doctor. No one likes asking for a requisition. No one likes getting a blood draw. And the mycotoxins lab is a simple fasted urine test. So what we're looking for in that, we're actually looking for the mycotoxins. We're looking for the poisons that some of these toxigenic molds spit out and that affect our complete system. We're looking for them in the urine. And that can confirm if we have a problem in our body. Now, a lot of them go to the liver to be processed and broken down, put in bile. To be excreted but the urine the kidneys do process them some so there's a number of labs about three main labs that will check uh, the difference is basically their technology and two of them is the same one's a little different one checks for 11 one checks for about 16 another one for 29 different mycotoxins so checking your body for mycotoxins is able to give you a good idea if you are indeed mold sick A secondary test you can do is the organic acid test which is also a urine test and the first nine markers on that are yeast and fungal markers, because when you're exposed to mold long enough, you can actually have mold growing within your gut. As you're breathing in those mold spores and swallowing those mold spores, some of these molds can actually start to colonize in you. So the organic acid test gives us some data. It's checking just aspergillus and, some, and fusarium. There's a lot of other molds that can colonize in us, but it still gives us a good idea Uh, on what's going on in there, fungal-wise, and it also measures candida. In my opinion, it's the best way of measuring candida, too, with the arabinose. So we've got some great, easy tests. Uh, But these are functional labs. These aren't from your medical doctor. These aren't covered by insurance very often, unfortunately. So that's one of the downside to functional testing is that these private labs are usually cash labs and and that part stinks 100%.
1: But on the same side of things, if you go through the traditional Western medicine, you're looking more at the disease states anyway. So it's beyond where you want to be. with the functional labs you know you're trying to improve the health before
0: you get to that disease state I couldn't put a price tag on it because our son and the condition he was in I don't know if they would have done exploratory surgery I don't know where they would have gone like they gave him they gave him the pediatric gastro gave him a drug and I can't remember what it was now it was a super anti-inflammatory something and Isaac went had double vision he was extremely dizzy He was seeing double. He had to crawl to the bathroom from his bedroom. That was within three days of taking his prescribed drug. And I stopped it immediately. I called the doctor's office, left a message. And Sharon, they called me back in two weeks. That's how quick they called me back. And the nurse that called me back, she just literally laughed and said, Oh, I've never heard of that before. That's the support we got from our medical system. I had to, I took him to our local eye doctor because his eyes were just in, were just double vision, blurry pain behind his one eye, like a migraine behind there and having to crawl. And the doctor's like, I've never seen anything like this. And he referred us to a specialist a couple hours away. Mm -hmm. And all this triggered from three days of this pharmaceutical. And it just, it was just, it's so angering because none of this was about finding the root cause. Like he was giving him an anti-inflammatory, a steroid, something of some sort, okay that's not fixing the problem. That's not determining why. And that's why I said these labs to me, even though they cost money were priceless to me because I was able to figure out what the root cause was, why this was happening as opposed to just trying to mask it with antibiotics or steroids or something like, like the, uh, the only tools in the toolbox of our Western medical system. When you go in with something like this, now this journey, ended up costing us over a million dollars. That's where I stopped counting. Mm -hmm. And that's why I do what I do now, Sharon, because I did, I've done everything wrong. I've done everything the slow way. I've done everything the expensive way. I've done it every way you can do it to get to where I got to. And now I know The fastest way, the most affordable way, the best way to get the best information, the fastest, and what to do with that information to start helping people. So Mm -hmm. after going through what our family went through, it just made me so passionate about it that I couldn't imagine going back to doing what I uh, had done before. So that's why I started mypharmacy.com. That's why I started this mold group to help people for free. That's why I, I help people every day with this around the world, because I know how devastating it can be. Mm -hmm. I know how much damage it can do to children and adults too. But I mean, but for us, it was our kids first. Uh, I know how bad it can be. And I know how long and confusing and expensive it can be if you don't know what you're doing. So that's why I do this. That's why I'm passionate about it. I'm I'm here to help families fast track through this because it's just a confusing quagmire if if when you're just starting out on your own.
1: Right. I see that a lot with the practitioners who are actually compassionate with their clients because they've actually undergone similar situation, if not worse. And in, in some cases, as you said, I've gone through my own chronic illness journey, but if it was my children, I can imagine it'd probably be a hundred times worse. With all of this that was going on, you've developed all of these helpful tips and videos that you share with everyone. In addition to working one-on-one with clients, you have, I'm sure, developed some protocols and some generalized supplements that might help people in detoxing, or maybe, I don't know if you focus on, the hormone, the immune, the digestive system, or if you kind of look at it as a whole body, mm-hmm. you could share with us some of the general supplementation that can be.
0: Yeah. Well, th- to one extent, there is a cookie cutter approach as to whether you're healing from Lyme or mold or cancer or anything, you have to start supporting the body the same way, you know, and the, the body does heal in a specific order and uh, mold and mycotoxins, mold illness is so awful because it doesn't just affect one thing. It's like you said, you mentioned hormones, mycotoxins and mold absolutely disrupt the whole endocrine system. And zierilinone is a mycotoxin from Fusarium and it's a estrogen mimicker. So women can have high estrogen symptoms because you have this zierilinone taking up estrogen receptors and it affects people neurologically. So people have brain fog and memory recollection issues. They have head pressure and tinnitus and they can have visual problems and hearing problems. numbing and tingling and zaps through their body and feeling that electrical wave through the body, just severe neurological problems like from stachybotrys, ketomium and other ones. The aflatoxins from aspergillus are known to create liver cancer. They were killing, aflatoxins were killing cattle and it's the agricultural community that did the first studying on this to figure out why their cows were dying because they were eating so many moldy grains with um, aflatoxins in. Well, aflatoxins are awful for us too. Um, so they attack our liver, they attack our kidneys, it attacks our endocrine system, our neurological system, our skin, our, our immune system, our reproductive organs. and men, it affects semen quality. and women, it absolutely can cause early miscarriages. It can cause the, the inability to even get pregnant. So much of our body, our organs, our systems are affected by mycotoxins and these toxigenic molds. So when you look at the body, I mean, people have different symptoms or can exasperate pre-existing conditions, but you always see, like, like the symptoms I went over uh, with kids, you always see some of these main, main ones like fatigue, brain fog, muscle and joint pain, hormone issues, gut issues, sleeping issues, frequent urination, dizziness, lightheadedness, headaches, neurological issues like I spoke about. But no matter what combination you have, you still have to start healing the body the same way. And it starts with pooping. I said, the P were pooping, you have to be able to eliminate because the, when the body's loaded with toxins, the liver's trying to process them right and it's trying to get them in the bile to get it in the stool so that we can poop it out and if you're not pooping you can be reabsorbing those toxins through the intestinal wall back into circulation back to the liver and you just keep accumulating and burdening the uh the eliminative organs right so i make sure people are pooping number one and then we just literally work backwards from the exits right so you go back through the intestines you get back to bile flow, and if they Mold and mycotoxins can make bile flow sluggish. Well, that's where our toxins are. I mean, we need bile for emulsifying fats and and digestion and lots of and alkalizing gastric juices, but. That's where the liver's putting mycotoxins and other toxins. So we increase bioflow and then the liver is a step up from that. We're supporting the liver. We're supporting the kidneys. We're supporting the lymphatic system because the lymphatic system is a sewer system of the body. And that's what's taking garbage to our kidney and liver. Okay, and then no mold protocol is good without addressing the gut because like I talked about with our son and so many people, it affects the gut right off the bat. That's one of the first things to go down. So when I start someone on a mold protocol and I start on detoxification and eliminative organs and processes, like I said, like poop support, liver support, bioflow, kidney support, lymphatic support, then I'm also going after the gut. So I'm using a good spore-based probiotic. And if we run the gut sumer, which is the most advanced stool test on the market, and we see that their bacteria has gone upside down and backwards, maybe we need to use an antimicrobial. So we're using both an antimicrobial to help push some of the bad guys down. We're using good spore-based probiotics to lift the good guys up. And just like a lawn, you want to overseed and you want to fertilize to bring up the good guys to help smother out the bad guys. Because without doing that, you're not getting your immune system back online to help you out. And you don't want to just be trying to fix your body brute force with supplements you want to bring your immune system up so it's working with you and then you can start to come off the supplements as the immune system starts doing more and more so those that's a few of the things i target and tools i use and everyone has those same things like that's no matter what you're dealing with no matter your level of toxicity no matter your symptoms you still have to cover all those foundations of support and binding gentle binding yes. you know i use humic and fulvic acid from kids to adults as binder number one. I love humic and fulvic acid because it goes systemic in the body. That means it goes everywhere. Your clays, your charcoals, that just stays in the gut. And they're good, but I don't start with it because it can be too much for people. So I like humic and fulvic acid. It goes systemic. It's also anti-inflammatory. It's antiviral. It provides trace minerals. And Sharon, you don't have to separate it two hours from food, okay? You can take it anytime and it will literally actually increase the mineral absorption from your own food so what i do it goes in my water bottle um so that i can be drinking it throughout the day every water bottle i have i put a scoop of uh sludge which is 500 milligrams of humic and fulvic in and then I have a constant flow of a binder going in me, just a constant flow. And it doesn't need separated from food, like I said, because it increases absorption of minerals from our food. So as you do that gentle binding and you can do it very low when you're you know, titrating with powder, you can start low and you can slowly work your way up. And once you've done a bit of work on the gut and uh, on, on supporting the eliminative and detoxification organs, now you can add in a complex that has your charcoal, your clay, your zeolite, your silica, your apple pect, and all these nice complexes that are out there. Mm-hmm. And then I pulse those with people. I don't do it straight for six months because they can start to strip minerals over time. So some people do a month on a month off. Some people just be, you know, once a day, other people be twice a day. It depends on what their labs say, what their symptoms are like, what their sensitivity is like, but that, that covers the basics. And that's enough to get people going for at least three months plus uh, working and covering all those angles.
1: Okay, and and to wrap that up, um, you mentioned, and that's an amazing piece of information about the fulvic and humic acid. I didn't know that you didn't have to worry about spacing that. Um, I've actually been doing the activated charcoal and the bentonite clay, and then you have to worry about when you're supplementing versus when you're eating versus when you're exactly. using a binder. Yep. And also that it could hinder elimination. So I don't know if the fulvic acid actually hinders elimination as well. It with some of the other ones, it might cause some constipation. And so that's kind of preventing you from detoxifying, correctly.
0: Exactly. Humic and fulvic can, but it's not as common as your charcoal <laughs> and clay. Uh, those are a little more common. This one can. And that's why I always tell people to start low and slow you can always move up you can't undo it because if you take too much in no matter what whether it's charcoal clay or uh, humic and fulvic acid if you get yourself bound up that's not good that wrecks your next couple of days so as with anything and the more sensitive you are or if you're already constipated or prone to it always start these new things low and slow and work your way up and always have a backup plan you know there's some good bowel moving complexes out there you got magnesium citrate you got magnesium oxide you got vitamin c be careful some people with mold can't tolerate ascorbic acid real well but you've got hydration you know especially early hydration If you get water early in the morning get the colon hydrated and if if push comes to shove you got to use a water animal because some people get really plugged up and just stay that way and it is not okay you've got to keep the bowels moving and that's why a little bit ago, I said, number one is pooping.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You've shared a lot of gems with us, a lot of great tips. And I know our, our audience is going to take it home with them. You did mention a few places that people could find you, but can you go over the, the different sources that they can either reach out to you directly or uh, maybe find some of your resources that can enable them to start the process of cleaning out their homes and then in their bodies?
0: Hey, sure. Wonderful. Thank you for allowing me to share. So my website is pharmacy.com. F-A-R-M-A-C-Y. It's like a farm, like grow your medicine because I'm all about safe and natural options. Obviously, there's a time and place for pharmaceuticals, but hopefully we don't get in that place very often and we can use herbs and lots of safe options. But pharmacy.com is my main website and that's where people can order these labs directly. So if they say, hey, I want to order an ERMI to check my house, then they can come get the ermy here if they want to run the urine mycotoxins lab or organic acid test or the gut zoomer stool test to see what's going on with their digestion or uh, mycotoxins they can order it direct it's it's quick simple easy you don't need an appointment it's the cheapest quickest easiest way that people can order their labs and of course i have supplements and different options there too but i also have a facebook group called toxic mold answers And toxicmoldanswers.com will point you to that Facebook group. It's a teaching group. I'm there teaching people every day. I'm answering their questions so that they have a better understanding of why, why mold works this way or why your body's doing this or why you need to do this in your house. I have over 160 videos posted as of this week. There's a pinned post at the top with the video directory. And then you just put the video number in the group search box. So if you wanted to watch video number 150 on how and why to do an army, then you just put hashtag 150 in the search box and they would take you right to that video.
1: Amazing. And we appreciate all of the effort. I know it takes a lot of time and effort to to put all these resources out there. So we do appreciate it. And again, we want to thank you for spending this time with us and sharing the wealth of information you have.
0: Well, thank you so much for having me, Sharon. I, I'm always happy to talk about mold. I know that seems crazy to, to have a passion for mold. I joke with people, you know, when I was young, I wanted to be a firefighter or a policeman or something. And here I am passionate about mold. But Hey, we find our passions and the things that move us. And after going through what we went through, I want to make sure I can help other families, other people know, uh, know the best way through this.
1: 100%. Thank you again, Matt. And thank you to all of our listeners. Take care. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and also to our Instagram. Our handle is
0: Functionally Enlightened. Dr. Sharon Sarita is not a medical professional and is not providing healthcare, medical, or nutritional therapy services, or attempting to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure any physical, mental, or emotional issue. The information provided in this podcast is for the informational purposes only and is not intended to substitute professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek advice from your physician or other qualified healthcare provider before undertaking a new health regimen. Do not disregard medical advice or delay seeking medical advice because of information you heard in this podcast. Do not... Start or stop any medications without speaking to your medical or mental health provider.